Bill Mosley, Daniel Harris, Dick Warlock, George Romero, Kane Hodder, Robert England, Ronnie Blakely, CJ Graham, and you're listening to Deep in Texas. You gotta be fucking kidding. everybody and welcome to another episode of deep in the heart of texas this is jeff and i'm nathan and this is ralph all right so we're here to talk about the awesome netflix series uh the house on haunted hill house the hill house haunting <laughs> the haunted uh, house of hill house the gilded house <laughs> the game no. of thrones of the house of the hills let me chime in the haunting of hill house thank you <laughs> directed by mr mike flanagan <laughs> how many episodes of this awesome too many how how can you say too many God, this isn't a Fox TV show. They didn't bombard us with twenty-two seasons or episodes of fucking, you know, one season. When does Fox do that? Oh, every Fox TV show carries at least Extra twenty to twenty-four. 10. Those are limited series. Mm. Anything that's like they, su- they, supernatural, Smallville. They um, buy twenty-two episodes. They cut you off at ten. Well, I never watched Dharma and Greg. Oh, that's a great series. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, give me a Northern Exposure or Wings. <sighs> I didn't know you were a Wings fan. That is Wings is probably one of the best shows. <laughs> it's about guys talking about airplanes. <laughs> Cue the Wings music, theme music. <laughs> you were more of a Beverly Hills now to an O fan, weren't you? I was Troop Beverly Hills with Shelley Long. <laughs> oh, Shelley Long's great. What was the what was the uh, early TV show that you got into in uh, younger years? Married with Children. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's the ones that sticks out to you? That you enjoyed as as you were young, but not so much now. I, it's, Roseanne. Oh, oh, God, no. No? You <laughs> didn't like Roseanne back in the I fucking hated Roseanne. Gotcha. No. I hated TV shows. I, I would be hard-pressed. All right, what's like the oldest TV show you remember like watching? Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. It was like 80, 80, yeah, it was, 80 to like yeah. 86 or 87. It was like a thing back then, Little House yeah. on the Prairie. Uh, Michael Landon. Yep. The, yeah. For me, it was the resyndication of uh, 66 Batman. Gotcha. I remember a lot of Nick and Knight shit. You know, they would replay uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Honeymoon, oh, or stuff like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah no, no, okay. but I'm saying, like, no, I'm just saying, like, I remember that kind of shit being, like, old, but I think truly, like, for me, it was, like, uh, Silver Spoons. I remember that a lot. Married with Children, of course. Uh, yeah. But to say, like, good TV series that I enjoyed a lot. I love Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote was good. Yeah, when yeah. I was a kid. I didn't watch that one. Uh, I loved uh, Twilight uh, Zone, Outer Limits. Uh, well, yeah, of course. Tales from the Dark Side. I'm trying to think of like a, a smaller show. I, I remember Who's... Tales from the Dark Side a lot. Like I, oh, yeah. Outer Limits. I yeah. really like. My mom made a thing for me. Like we would look at that old little TV guide and we would yeah. pin out like when this Tales from the Dark Side came out, and I would catch episodes. Not as frequent 
as I rem- remember, but it was a big thing in my life when I was growing up as a kid. I mean, a show that I watched that wasn't really a series, but it was a show that was continual, was I always, like, popped in on Mystery Science Theater, like, every Saturday morning. I think it was Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. It's funny you bring that up. Did you see they dropped a new series for it on Netflix? The first movie for the new season of uh, Mystery Science Theater yeah. is Mac and Me. Oh, that's they cover Mac oh, and that's Me. Great. That's the first movie they do, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I haven't sat down to watch it because I've been bombarded with a whole bunch of other shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that scene that just come up on the queue, it was like, "Oh, like I need to make time." I watched the the return of uh, Mr. Science Theater. Like, like it just I just binged it. It was so fucking great. Yeah, I mean, very fun. I, I used to watch that. I used to watch uh, uh, a little bit of Silk Stockings. Like when I was like, oh yeah, Red Shoe Diaries. To, when I was like ten to fifteen, oh, yeah. Red Shoe Diaries. Oh yeah, with David Duchovny. No, Silk Stockings. Oh yeah, Silk Stockings. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Just because they always had sexy women, like you know that that intro was like, oh, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? And then right. you know you realize you wasted an hour. There's no plot. <laughs> There's no plot. Just a bunch of hot chicks in lingerie. All she does is walk around naked. Jesus. <laughs> Great. Just keep rewinding. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, yeah, that, there was that, and I don't know, like, besides, like, Saturday morning cartoons, that was, like, the only thing I was religious about. Cool Fathom one. could you think, from being young to now where you're at, did you ever imagine there would be a time when, like, you would just get a fucking entire series just dropped in your lap? No. No, no. like, that's why, I, you know, even with Breaking Bad and, and um... Being a serial, like, series next like Sunday. Series, super, yeah, yeah. serials. Uh... Anything that I like super enjoyed, you know, after I was 20 years old, I just never watched until it was done and then I'd power watch. Of course. So, like, Sopranos, I watched real religiously for the two, first two seasons and then I stopped until they were done. Gotcha. And then I'd power watch the fuck out of it. Same with Breaking Bad. Uh, I got, I missed the first season, came in on the second season, um, and then kind of let it play out until the fifth season and I watched. You like watch hardcore, yeah. So, um, I love when they just here you go, vomit all of it in your lap. It's like, like, what do I do? I'm taking four days off work. Yeah, (laughs) because I I know a lot of shows suffer from that. You lose Mm -hmm. momentum because you're having to tune in. Uh, Mid season finales throw you off. You know, you're two months without the show, then you gotta kind of fall back into it. Or life happens and you get busy and you miss the fucking thing and you're pissed off because you get on Facebook and they ruin it. I thought he was dead. When when did she come back? All that kind of crap. Exactly. Uh, I remember Twin Peaks being a big deal when I was growing up. And as I got older into my teens, I was able to revisit it through VHSs and DVDs and stuff like that. And that's always been a great show to like bring into the perspective of like, this is what limited series used to be. And it's amazing to see where we're at now. Because when they brought Twin Peaks back, it was so unique and fresh and did such unique, amazing things. Then I see Netflix do things like this. And like we're about to talk to uh, talk about Mike Flanagan's Haunting uh, on Hill House. You don't think TV or TV series could ever be handled to the way of of this standard? You know, it's like film but drawn out for like you said high production value. Exactly, it looks like a high production value. Because you but... you get one director, he does ten episodes, so it has a singular vision, mm-hmm. and the intensity that's carried through all ten of these episodes. It's it's probably the best I've seen in in quite some time. I think this hopefully will help open Hollywood's eyes like okay we're gonna hire one dude to do the goddamn job like you know these guest direct you know constantly changing directors like you said changes the flow of of 
everything. I mean, story, the intensity, the way it's told, everything changes. So by having one single director and one single guide through this entire story, yeah, it's it's cohesive, even though it's told very confusing. I mean, you get a lot of back and forth and through time oh, present six weeks ago, 50 years ago. Two weeks after that, it's like, wh- where the fuck am I in this timeline? So, yeah. like, the first, like, three or four episodes was really jarring because I didn't know where the fuck I was. I couldn't connect. It wasn't, like, long enough segments to where I could connect the children to the yeah. grown-up version. So, I was like, Jesus Christ, who the fuck? Who is this? And it's like, awesome like, hearing you say that because I did not have that issue at all. It was like, crazy. There was zero uh, learning curve for this, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, narrative delivery. Yeah. Because you're like you're right. It goes from uh, the child, the children being in the house, but you're going from time of the haunting, the main mm-hmm. event, and then you're going back to like when they just got there. You're going back into the present day. You're like you said, right. it's like it's, so. It's a lot of jumping, and the entire course of that entire pass takes place over the summer. Yes, from the moment that they step in with their bags packed to the moment that they le- that they are leaving the house in the first episode, that is all over the course of a summer vacation. Because initially, is what it's, no it's, idea on that for I anybody. Never knew that. Yeah, if you're fresh to this, go watch the series, please, before we get into it. Because what <clears throat> Ralph's about to get into is like what like they basically go family moves into a house and they're gonna like flip it. Yeah, they're they're pretty much they're moving into a house to flip it. They've bought it. They're going to spend the entire summer living there and flipping it at the same time gotcha. to make enough money to be able to make their forever home, yeah. the home that they're going to permanently stay in. I love the idea of the forever home because you have this guy, the dad, who's just a constantly, I can fix it. Mm-hmm. And the mom who's constantly, what, like, she's a architect or a designer? Yeah, she's, she's a designer. So she's, she's like constantly... You, you don't see her working as much as the father, but she's always, she's designing stuff. She's she's making plans for home. She's doing the uh, the groundwork for it. Gotcha. Getting everything set up. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen this show, I, I'm pretty sure I can say from all of us that this is something that you need to sit down and watch before you come listen to us because we're going to be spoiling a lot of shit. Because this was something that was a gift to get in October. Mm-hmm. And for us to tackle it now around the time that we're talking about it, it's like... These 10 episodes were maybe not the horrific TV show that everybody expected, but they definitely hit that note of being emotionally involved in the terror and the dread and, and the family uh, dynamics that I guess we weren't, uh, we're all we're all familiar with, but they did such a, well, like, like, like Nate said, high production value job at it. It was just really unique. Yeah, no, they, they really did. Um, and for this to be dropped the same time that er- pretty much every other streaming service was dropping a a Halloween-esque kind of like short story, movie, TV show, uh, whatever have you. This one really stood out amongst all of them. This is the one that got everybody talking. And I'm sure a lot of you, or not a lot of you, but some of y'all probably recognize the title Haunting of Hill House. This was based on, loosely based on the book done by uh, Shirley Jackson back in 1958. It's been adapted, it's been adapted twice now one for a movie that was in 1960s 1970s and then another one in 92 93 with i think, there's, a, I think there's actually like two other movies there's are like there two the, the legend of hill house the legend of hill house yeah and then uh the return series. to hill house i think so i think so okay. i'm not sure those were like but yeah 70s. like you said the direct adaptation <laughs> though is like you said the the one you mentioned in the 60s and then the haunting that we all where i think we're all more familiar with the mm-hmm. haunting with liam neeson and owen wilson and stuff because that was the one that would, I don't know. We all that had to suffer. Wow! Yeah. yeah that, wow! Wow! <laughs> but like this movie, or not this movie, this series. Um, again, it's very loosely based off of. They take they take some 
moments from the book, put it into the series, and they just make it work. The the way that it's shot, the way that it's done. They even play homage to the uh, author herself uh, by a character by the name of Shirley. Oh. Um, That's the, the oldest daughter, right? Uh, yeah, it's the oldest of the daughters. Um, directed by Mike Flanagan. The production company was Amblin Television and Paramount Television. Oh, wow. Gilbert. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, oh. they both had hands in it. It was... It was given to us on Netflix on October 12th. It's uh, shot in an aspect ratio of 1.78 to 1 oh, in wow. UHD. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love this music to my fucking ears. It's not so, mumbo jumbo, people. Mumbo no, jumbo. Mumbo, it's not mumbo jumbo. I fucking one, two, two, three, aspect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit. I figured you'd get a little kick out uh, of that. Now that I have a smart TV 4K, I do want to know the aspect ratio, sir. <laughs> yeah. Stream it in HD. Oh, my God. UHD. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh my god! I, we're going to come over and watch it. Yeah, I, I did today. I, I had to watch the last episode again uh, today, mm. and uh, wouldn't you know it is bright in my fucking room, so I couldn't see a fucking thing. Glare <laughs> for oh, days. Well, it was just like the episode's so dark that's oh, yeah. like when they're just in the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I think that's a tit. That's a book. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. That's Daredevil. There's tits. I guess mm-hmm. that's his helmet. Oh, that's oh, oh, that's oh, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. God damn it! I thought right. those breasts looked really red. That's <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> that was just one giant boob, just one big old boob. But um, this this show is some some beautiful work. Uh, the the way it's written, the characters that are that are written into it, I think they did some. I did. I think they did a great job selling you on the family. Uh, selling you on the relationship between all of them because as you get further and further into the story, the the characters they have some messed up fucking lives. Yeah, they they really do. Like each episode in this ten episode series, with the exception of maybe one or two episodes, deals with a member of the family. And I think that was always the expectation because, like, as you go with like from the oldest um, brother that takes the first episode, mm-hmm. you know. And it the way it ends with uh, Nell's ghost. I mean, everything is this. That was fucking trip. It's it's just it's just stacking on mm-hmm. tension and so much despair that by the time you get to certain episodes, your heart literally breaks because you're building these expectations up, and then you see the way they fall apart, and you want everybody's happy ending. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what drives you through the whole series is like, I want to see this family uh, come together somehow. You know, I want to see them work through these uh, horrible obstacles yeah. that are just constantly trying to tear them apart. And I think that was like one of the biggest things that you get from the series that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. You expect the haunted house TV show. Yeah. Well, like in a genre with the, this is titled as horror and rightfully so, uh, but in a in a genre littered with like haunted houses and poltergeist-esque jump scares, you know, you're like, oh, haunted hill house, whatever, you know, another haunted story. But the thing that makes to me that that made this so great was the use of the metaphorical ghosts that they put in this. Definitely, because each one of these episodes gives you a backstory for each character, gives you the uh, the trauma that they dealt with through the lens of a ghost story. Totally. And by the time you get to the very end of it, because each ghost story is done from the child's perspective and the the amount of trauma that they go through, when actuality, by the time you get to the end of it, it you find out it's them dealing with the death of the mother. Yep. Because 
I, I can't imagine, unless you just had a horrible relationship with your parents, I can't imagine that, that being being good for any child. Oh, no. I think the death of the parents. You had good. a, you told me once upon a time a, a theory of what each child represents. It was uh, the seven stages of uh, loss. So I guess it was the grieving uh, uh, steps. Yeah, the uh, five stages. You five. have um, denial, anger, uh, acceptance, acceptance and rage, rage, and uh, bargaining. Yeah. Mm. And it was, a re- it was interesting how they all reflected on mm-hmm. the, the children because everybody has their situation. You have one kid... Uh, the oldest uh, son, like, kind of profiteering off of making his success mm-hmm. off of the family's trauma. Trauma. Their, their, their problems, yeah. their issues. Like, and I love the way he's so mean, cynical about all of it. Well, I love the way it's told because we talk about, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the reality TV ghost series stuff mm-hmm. and the way he's kind of staying at the house with the, the lady and she's telling her about, like, his, you know, her experience with seeing her dead husband and the way he has to kind of, like, kind of prove her wrong but then also try to see you know he wants to see if there's something mm-hmm. you know real out like there he wants to believe her but yeah. I, he's a skeptic he yeah he's skeptic he's cynical about it he's very much like oh like whenever she asks him does this see the paranormal well the thing about paranormal oh, is yeah. that it's not really true anything can be considered paranormal until it's proven then it's just supernatural or you can kind of say it's supernatural because back in caveman days, you'd see the full moon, think it's the eye of an angry god, and people would literally die from from shock, only to find out that it's just everything being in its natural order. Something there's a reason for everything, but you could see it in him that he kind of wants to believe that there's something there. Yeah. Oh man, I bet eclipses. Fucked people up back in oh, the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was listening to this uh, podcast and they were talking about the skepticism of like the Ed and Lorraine Warren stuff. And they were mm-hmm. saying what's funny is that back in the day, scientists couldn't see um, microbacteria and stuff. So what's to say that some of the stuff that Ed and Lorraine may have encountered is real? We just haven't gotten so far in our technology or our understanding that we can't see it yet. Go with the George Lucas and, and, explanation. Midichlorians. 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 <laughs> Which would, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, backfire. Yeah, to keep in mind, our minds can only handle so much. We yeah. only have discovered. I mean, we know more about Mars than we do our own deepest oceans. And I know we talked so. about this too. We always wanted to do a deep dive episode where we talk about some of our ghost stories that we kind of. Ooh, can we do that? We, on this that one? we reflect yeah. on because I know we have our things that we just can't explain. Like it goes beyond my rational thoughts and your rational thoughts, and you talk about some of the things that your dad's encountered with the uh, the actual direct fire in the sky, fucking guy. That's true. There's so many things that I love that this series can tie into because, as our families and I'm sure everybody's family has, we have those little ghost stories that hide in our little, you know, our lore mm-hmm. to, to say that makes this series so familiar because as you deal with personal traumas, whether it be uh, loss in the family or addiction. Or just struggle with sibling rivalry. You know, it's like this thing ties into so many things that it fucking just covers the scope of like familiarity, but then also that hint of like that haunting sensation that you get from watching such a cool series. Or, you know, it's the reason that you do kind of run sometimes when you turn off the light to the living room, when you run to the bedroom. You know, it's like it's 3 a.m. I don't know what 
might be still l- latching onto me or this house or tonight, you know? The, the unknown. Exactly. The the, the, uh, the the ghost stories that haunt you for your entire life. The the problems that you may experience. And that, this show really does play into that. Is it your guilt? Is yeah. it your... I mean, is it supernatural? I mean, that's the thing. It's, what's, it's weird about what we carry with ourselves as we are alone in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine this, Jeff. Imagine like a hereditary, as you say, flip the lights off in the dark, you know, run to the bed because you don't know what's there. Imagine me posted up in that corner, bro. Oh, <laughs> naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't see and, it. And, <laughs> and Jeff's like, just like walking past and you're like, home. I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> Does he see it? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That'd be like Ralph's ghost story. Like, I thought I saw something. <laughs> it was winking at me. <laughs> like Ralph ever wants to see anything supernatural, he just takes off his glasses. <laughs> Everything's supernatural at that point. Everything's just a giant blur. It was a blur. I saw it. I, I swear there was a blur. But <laughs> now, like, like you were saying, though, about everybody having their own kind of trauma and whatnot, um, back to Hill House, the, um, the way it's written, uh, everybody in this in this show has their ghosts or their traumas, their wounds, and they that's all got actually, a monkey on their back. Th- yeah, they all do. And that was um, someone by the name of K. M. Wyland actually explored the idea of the metaphorical ghosts, and it, you see it in a lot of a lot of really good writing, a lot of entertainment nowadays. And Hill House uses it to show what kind of damages are done to these main characters and how they got so fucked up going from childhood to their main lives. Um, and just the amount of story that they have. Like, fuck, great example, Shirley. Oh, yeah. Like, Shir- Shirley's first encounter with with death was in the form of a box of kittens. Yeah. Like, in the most unassuming form whatsoever. And for the last kitten to be alive and end up becoming having like this demonic face, only to find out it's diseased yeah. and dying. That's the entire reason why they were left. Well, to I mean, die. their lips moving and yeah. like bug crawling out of them. That was yeah. all. And then to fast forward to whenever the mother died, she's still tr- she she's scarred by those kittens. She didn't see what happened to her mom, but whenever she comes to the casket and sees the mom and she looks normal. Like, well, like nothing happened. It, she appreciates the situation. She, she like, this is what it. you did. Thank yeah. you. You make you look like she's sleeping. Yeah, she... she you fixed her. But Shirley's big words. twist for me was that she was so hands-on with... When Nell goes to the mm-hmm. house and she passes away, she deals with Nell's um, embalming and prepa- yeah. and preparation for for the burial and and that was hard. Oh yeah, no, that was definitely that was hard. Like this. And it shows in her character that she's wanting to control that. Yeah, she doesn't want anybody to experience the death that she went through. So she's become this control freak of a mortician. Yes, and that's the ghost that she carries with her. That's the trauma that she has because she doesn't want anybody else to see the horrors of life. That's the reason. Whenever the kids show up, and she's like. Fuck, and she like has to peel everything off but and that explain to the kids. That wasn't her idea though. That was her older. That was her younger sister. I told her to do that. Remember, they, they mm-hmm. she takes her into the closet and she tells her, "This is what you tell. You don't lie about anything. Right. You be upfront." And I love that. That Teresa, I think, is the the younger sister. Uh, uh, Theo. Theo. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, 
yeah, she's constantly the balance to mm-hmm. Shirley because she's like, you know, they're both almost always going into the deep end. Yeah, that's why she and, lives in her guest and house. And they keep saving each other from so many frantic situations. I love that they're this sisterly balance, and Nell is just on this, on, on and this little fucking just a little outside because she's almost the chance that the family has to be sustainable and perfect. Yeah. Nell has always represented the purity to me. Mm-hmm. Even even when she was an adult, she yeah. was like just a pure person. Uh, where go- Theo's a fucking drunk, crazy, you mm-hmm. know, she's she, psychologist, so she's overly sensitive. She always has yeah. to wear gloves because she can read somebody's fucking past. And then you've got the control freak she- girl, and then you got the exploiter of Steve, mm-hmm. and then you know, um, but Nels, what's, what's the Nels? twin brother Luke. who's the Luke. complete opposite of her mm-hmm. who's just a, a bad seed but what's weird is that Nell ends up being the martyr and like the ghost is literally as we get into it is like is, uh, is herself mm-hmm. that the haunting that she's going to be haunted by is herself being the martyr that for the family is amazing which is unreal because you almost feel like the mom should have been the martyr to the family yeah. the savior but she's the one that gets confused by the house she becomes the one that wants to solidify the family and keep it and preserve it and put it in this little glass bottle and keep mm-hmm. it the way it is forever. Well, you got to keep because in mind the mom had like a little bit of, of mental problems. Schizo, yeah, yeah like, kind of like Theo. And, and I always found it ironic. Every time she like started flipping or wigging out, she'd like Have scrunch her face and yeah, the migraines. And she'd be like, all I, all I can see is colors. Yeah. And then she's like, I don't see colors anymore. And it's just like, oh, like all I see is black. Like uh, Larry Jack from The Shining kind of shit. You know, it's like she's being pushed into the deep end. She's tuned out of the world being in this house. Because she's somewhere in the middle ground between what Theo has and maybe not what Theo has. You know what I mean? Well, she she is exactly what Theo has. But she doesn't, she's not. Not to that degree, though. Yeah, she's She's like a very. Because it was her grandma that had to wear the gloves. She passed on the gloves because her grandma. She's like a very dim light where Theo's like the Luxor. (laughs) She just fucking touch you and read everything. But I love that that's the influence the house has is that some people are just so tired of being in the house. That they do fuck with the families that are in there. Mm-hmm. They, their purpose is is to haunt. Yeah, is to be uh, insidious. Well, the or, well, the caretakers are just this beautiful way of looking at the haunting. Mm-hmm. Well, and the caretakers, the thing with them is that they they found a way to be able to continue to be at that house without being fucked with and influenced by it. They stay on the outskirts. We don't be here. We're not here after nightfall. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, the woman, uh, I can't remember her name, but the woman caretaker, she's always so preachy and Bible and strict mm-hmm. and fucking mean to the but children. It, it's like, it's weird. But I think it's because she's still coping with the loss her that loss, she did you know. experience. Mm-hmm. The stillborn baby is the beautiful idea of why she has that wall in front of her. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, she it's almost like the MacGuffin of the story, too. Because she inevitably knows the only reason she's caretaker here is because when she dies, she's going to be here with her baby. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's not going to let that baby be forever bound to this house without her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's just like, she saw the kids there, so she's like, I have to be here because I saw the children. Yeah. Because they even, if I'm not mistaken, they even explained it that one of the reasons, the, the main reason that they don't stay there is because she was starting to go mad because she was hearing the baby after it died. Yeah. And so that, she, to keep dad, her from going crazy, she they don't stay in the house. And you only That's get that from the, the dad. The dad. The, when they do in the mold fucking mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Because he just lays it on thick of like. Yeah, he, he that's where you get that exposition as to why they're not there. Yeah. Or why, or why, they, they, or why stay. they stay caretakers. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other point of this is we find out later, we always think it's a ghost throughout the whole series, but Luke's. they had another 
Luke's uh, little Abigail, friend. Abigail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Luke is always drawing this this little girl, and they're like, who's that? And he's like, Abigail, she's a girl out in the woods. And they're like, yeah, okay, imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. But then you start seeing her, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Okay, this is a ghost. And then this you is the fucking realize, the and then yeah. you fucking realize that this isn't a ghost, this is a living this person, is... and it's the caretaker's kid, which yeah. we find out, like, horrifically in that last part of her life, because... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she spends the night that one fatal night, and that's yeah. all it took was yeah. the mom's last. I don't know. It was well, like the mo- tea party. Like the mom was really taking the first steps into preserving the family mm-hmm. as they were. And what's <sighs> weird is that she invites the little girl to the tea party too, unbeknownst that it's the. I don't know. Like, I, she, I don't think she, she knew. Was, I don't think she was in her right so state stuck, of mind either. Yeah, she's stuck within what the the house is showing her and what. She's seen. Yeah, keep mind, uh, you know, they, the husband's like, look, go stay with your sister for like a fucking week. Just get out of the house yeah. because she's losing it. She's getting these migraines more often. She's uh, having outbursts towards the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very sweet throughout it. But when she goes dark, she goes dark. So the husband's like, look, after the caretakers told him the story and all, all these events have started happening, he's like, just get out of the house for a week. Go to your sister's. Yeah. She leaves, goes to the hotel, and comes immediately back. I mean, it's that strong a force on her. So she comes back. I don't think she's the mom at that point. I, remember, she's always got that the crazy, uh, yeah, the twenties lady, yeah, the, 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 the younger one telling lady. her how to preserve the family. Exactly, yeah. and she's always got her whispering in her ear. So I think she's kind of under like a trance during that whole situation. Because when she bangs her head off the wall, she kind of snaps out of it for a sec, but. Yeah. You know, still to no avail. Um, little side note: Did you notice that the hotel room that she stays in—that's the same one Nell's in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the same hotel room. I love it. I was like, oh my god! I and that's the same hotel room. That's that the they, same home that hotel room that they in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, fucking crazy. I don't know if that was intentional, but oh yeah, fucking that's crazy. The, the yeah. full circle they do in this fucking show is just... so many full circles. So oh my weird. god, dude! Like the scene with Nell dancing. Oh, dude, that that gave the me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Because when you get the story and you see what she's dancing with, your heart just breaks again. Yeah. Because you're just like, you just, like I said, like uh, Nate had said, like, why did you cry at the show? I was like, no, every fucking episode, I think something either teared me up or made me fully crack and like tear and cry. Because it was just like, it hit so many fucking right. It just it carried it so many nerves. It carried such a great momentum. And when they hit certain things, it was just like, man, y'all executed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Like, yeah, there was only like, I'd say three that really pulled on my streams where I was just like, oh, you fucker. <laughs> and yeah, the dance was one of them. It was so just, beautiful. And another one was when, you know, um, I don't know if we talked about that. We kind of briefly mentioned it, but uh, Nella's little girl is essentially haunting herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she keeps complaining of the bent, ne- bent neck lady. And uh, come find out it's her from hanging herself which that was heartbreaking when the the whole staircase scene where the mom was like oh just let go baby and like oh the way the house it. fucked with her i think was the worst mm-hmm. and but, then she drops and i love that shot dude she drops as she's hanging herself and then as the noose tightens bam 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 it goes through all the timelines of her haunting so essentially she uh not caused uh her husband's death but like saw she saw herself everything. during the husband's yeah. death and thought that you know because it's it's, sh- it's shown as a like a slot machine 
Mm-hmm. And almost like oh, it just so clicks awesome. on, and as it clicks off, it's just hitting these little spots in her timeline that reflect the the most scariest moments in her life that she mm-hmm. had to deal with. And it was her. Oh my god, it was so brilliant. And that, that was, was just her. great writing because the way they filmed it and wrote it, it was just like yeah, that was great. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mike Flanagan even went on record saying that that's that he he was crying the entire time he was writing that I because know. it. That that part of the story is just again heartbreaking. It just it destroys you to know that the thing that's been haunting this girl all of her life and her just trying to find a release from it, just she doesn't want to deal with that trauma anymore, finds out she is the cause of her own trauma, unintentionally, yeah. but still is the cause of all of it. And that I think I think Nell's a perfect interpretation of what the red room is. Mm-hmm. The red room fed off of Nell. Yeah. To the point where when she screams at that first scene of the bent neck lady, it was like the cultivation of the circle being mm-hmm. filled, you know, fulfilled. It was the it was that red room that is something different to everybody. It's the reading room. It's the game room. It's the treehouse. It's all these unique things to each individual person that experiences the house in a certain way. But to get to that fucking full circle with Nell, with the bent neck lady character, it's like, wow, like. And that's why I think makes her the strongest out of the family because she wasn't influenced to the fact the way the mother was. She was actually came back to the house and gave up to it. And she saw the... Well, she lost the only person that could bring her out of her problems. And, and she her saw her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what made her so strong for the family. And that because if it wasn't for Nell's sacrifice, being the martyr, like I said, that none of the, all the whole family would have died. Because when you get to the end of the episode everybody's story once they get to the red room they're at the moment of being eaten up and sacrificed to the mm-hmm. house it's nil that fucking pulls them out yeah and yeah I love she keeps that. touching their foreheads sending them back to and, reality and she becomes the one that's like you know what i've already been eaten i know what this place is let me save you yeah i love how the house exposes you like for shirley who's always just fucking i am in control i you know i've got the perfect life i've got this and that trying to you know avoid all the bullshit i love how as soon as she walks in that house it takes her back like almost like a portal to the time she cheated on her husband her infidelity yeah and she was like oh that's that's you know they, it, it's funny because the scene plays out and then she's like oh no you know i'm i'm gonna go to my room and then it's like the guy walks back he's like but that's not what you said is yeah. it and, and then it plays out the reality of it mm-hmm. and it does that so beautifully with each character like here was your fucking weakness. Here's yeah. where you're fucked up. And then as it's getting dark, Nell comes in and, you know, mm-hmm. brings the, him out of the it. The only thing I don't like is Luke was unintentional. Luke didn't get a choice. They put the fucking needle in his arm. Yeah. Like they, they, that was the one that they forcibly took Luke. Yeah. They well, didn't give him a choice. Well, I think he shot up. Well, no, because think... it was at the, it was him seeing the woman he loved, the, the attic girl he loved, and right. she put the fucking needle in his right, arm. Right, right. But didn't... I'm saying, not not from what we're seeing, but since he is like uh, date, like having a vision of this, I think it's him doing it without intentionally doing mm-hmm. it. Well, also, I think... You know what I mean? No. With... It, it, no, no, no. I know what you mean. It shows in the room the chick shooting him up. But in the red room where he's actually sitting... Yeah. It doesn't show anything. It just shows him ah, ODing with a... a but I'm saying like everybody on. else was trying to put up resistance and they gave in he gave full resistance and she 
She won. She pushed it. Like, yeah, the house pushed, pushed it on. That's the only thing I'm, I'm trying to make the point of, is because that's the only thing that made me fucking, like, Oh, furious. I thought you were saying physically, like... No, no, not like, physically. Like, the house, like, fucking, like, oh, they, 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 they forced it on him. Like, yeah. he didn't have a choice. He well, he, he's a recovering junkie. He's yeah. only 94 days clean, and but in he's his, failed multiple in, times. But in so. his little episode, with his little fucking vision, it was like he didn't make the choice. When I was watching it today, um, when he went there to start the fire and the fire didn't start i never noticed it the first time but there's like a wash over his face of hopelessness Mm -hmm. as soon as that fire extinguishes he's just like yeah like i can't get rid of it touched by the chick who's the manipulator the the ghost that manipulates Yeah. yeah um the thing with luke though i think what caught i think his ghost his trauma was seeing abigail die at that point Oh yeah, uh, seeing her getting like he said whenever he was talking to the mom. Would you wake us from this nightmare when you see me putting poison in me? Yeah, yeah. And calling back to the tea party of Abigail drinking the rat poison, and she's trying to get get them to drink it as well. I think that's the ghost that he's dealing with, um, and it's causing him to not like metaphorically and fit and. Uh, literally put poison in him to try and get away from the the hauntings that he's having, the problems that he's having, the issues that he's going through. He's trying to keep himself in a constant high so he doesn't have to deal with that monkey on his back, that ghost that's following him. Yeah. The one that I fucking sent you the text message of, of the guy like the fucking cane hitting and all you see is the feet. And I, I sent Jeff a picture of that. What the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, just and Jeff's wait. like, wait. <laughs> Yeah, really. That's all I got was weight. <laughs> Dude, like, there's, you know, and I, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand Shirley's and Theo's trauma as much as I should. Because definitely Luke has a fucking reason to be traumatized going down in that, you know, the, the, uh, oh, yeah. the belt. Seeing the fucking zombie yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the zombie cell. thing and ripping at him and shit. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, being in the room when the little girl dies and. The Fuck. Treehouse, everything, <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah. And then yeah. definitely um, Nell, due to you know watching another little kid die and getting haunted with the the bent neck lady. And then but but like Steve never really got fucked with too much. No. The no. only thing he saw was his mother running at him crazily when crazy. his dad was fucking ass carrying yeah. him. Mm-hmm. So I can't really recall, other than Theo being able to touch somebody. And kind of read where this is coming from which like, is like also the welcome super, home or yeah, whatever which is supernatural um, in itself surely though I, like i don't get what her her big hold up in life is not hold up but i guess her obsession comes from like you said when when she was little walking up to her mom's casket and the the mortician well, telling her you know comforting her as she walks mm-hmm. towards it like Originally, she didn't want to go up and see her mother, and he's like, no, she's at peace, blah, 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 and he's explained the whole thing to her. And I think that impacted her so much that she herself became a mortician. um, I think everybody had unique situations or experiences, but what pissed me off the most with family, it's like they never talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, like the dad you, drove me nuts with that. Like, like when you spit see, it out. Like <laughs> when you see stuff like that, you would talk about it. Yeah. Like the scene oh. when Theo and Shirley are driving, and you get that ultimate scare. Oh, that fucking the big scared the how, shit out of how me. that wasn't talked through because you're dealing with Theo's moment of weakness and her feeling of nothingness, yeah. and then when she touched her husband, 
who Shirley's husband, she had the experience, but it was seen a whole different way. But it was a certain way. It's like all that shit trumped the idea that they just saw Nell or experienced that presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. That scared the shit out of me. Yeah. The, <laughs> well, here's my the, reason. Please give me forgiveness. Was more important than fuck. We almost wrecked because a ghost came yeah. at us. <gasps> Oh, and I would cue that scream because that scared the shit out of me. Um, the thing about that particular scene, the little backstory, is that everybody knew it was coming. Everybody, I knew. didn't. Well, like everybody on, like <laughs> production wise, everybody, in, pro- everybody in production knew that the scream was going to come. But what uh, the actress that played as Nell, she made a executive decision to jump out early. Oh wow! Oh, nice. So while Theo and they're doing their Shirley delivery. are doing their delivery, they still, from what they said, they still had like another like page of that dialogue. That was a fucking practical effect. That yeah, that was her. Ooh, and fuck, that wow. was her full makeup. But uh, she made the executive decision. I'm going to jump out early mm-hmm. and make make sure this hits a point. And whenever she jumped out and screams, those are like actual reactions. That's amazing. Well, it worked for me. <laughs> Oh, it worked for everybody. <laughs> and as Nate just brought up with practical effects, um, the the two storms episode mm-hmm. that was just—I mean, we talk about Daredevil's uh, the prison sequence in uh, the the most recent raised, uh, season of mm-hmm. Daredevil. Uh, we talk about Daredevil season one, that hallway scene that's just amazing, that long shot. Um, the scene in Two Storms when you're going to the funeral of Nell. The way they do that continuous shot. Four segments of 15 minutes straight uncut shots. This mm-hmm. was just filmmaking at its echelon of like master. And it's almost seamless because it, it, unless you have like a, a, it, a knowledge of it, you can tell where the cut is. I don't look for the illusion. I, I just was just embraced by the magic that happens in that episode. Dude, 15 minutes long is fucking hard. Now, look, we praised Halloween 2018 for a three minute. What you know, walk through of Michael Ooh, the way they going use that steady cam, which yeah, is and great. People walking around the background, like holy shit, there's a lot of markers and cues to hit here. That's an uncut shot. That was three fucking minutes. Try to act straight for fifteen fucking minutes. That and that I went back to <laughs> watch that episode hard. again, and when you see just them doing simple things as like moving a statue to change the. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the first time it pans past the... And, the, and they uh, physically the move the statue, chandelier. put a new one in, and then when the camera pans out, like all these things are real-time events mm-hmm. because it's just this one continuous take. And you're just like, wow. I'm uh, glad you brought this up because this is actually my, like, probably my favorite episode. Because just, just for I seamlessness, you know, that's the hard thing. I was so binge into the show, like, binging it. That when I got to the episode, I was so you know just like oh man, and I like so every, into it. everything's happening. The dad's showing up at the funeral home. There, he's gonna see Nell in the casket. Like, what's the emotions? And then you realize they haven't cut. They they haven't gone to a different camera. This is the same camera Gosh. the whole fucking time. And they go into the, the and you yeah <laughs> the lights go out. They go to the hallway. They're in that other house, and the camera hasn't cut i don't see the cut and everything's going on and the kid actors are there and you're like what the fuck is this this is magical and do you know do you actually like i i've done a, a couple of you know short films with a, a, a friend of mine it is so hard to do the lighting i don't know how the fuck they did the lighting you always have to have a backlight on somebody and you always have to have a front light on somebody it's a e- equation light you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so whenever it's dollying up to a person on these seamless shots i'm just like how in the 
fuck. They must have littered the entire roof with like angled lighting. Or, that, or like had on the dolly like a soft muted white lighting. No, this is the reason so these these shows need to be seen in 4K. This is uh, people shooting in like digital positive or whatever you want to call it. Your digital medium that you're shooting on. Especially with like the way Guardians of the Galaxy shot these days and stuff. You're sit- shooting at 6.5K. So your low light effects are that to like what Stanley Kubrick wish he had. Like when he did Barry Lyndon and stuff with the lenses he used for like the NASA fucking stuff. It's like... These people are able to shoot such unique fucking lighting degrees that the way they're able to balance everything, like you said, and just carry things so forward and be so seamlessly great, it's, it's it, that that in itself is like a huge kudos to just production value. That's what I'm saying. That that roof had to be littered. I would say with about 15 grips, pulling. You know the tiles because you see the the fucking roof. So there's the tiling of a roof. You, see, you know the 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 popcorn styrofoam things that hang in the roof. They show a camera guy get carried into like a weird elevator thing and then he gets dropped into the scene and he walks out and he keeps with characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that the cinematographer or the DP was just able well, to... Well, that's just a panaglide. But what I... Dude, like... No, like they had a physical elevator that the fucking DP was like riding in as they went down from the oh, second floor right, to the right. bottom floor when they went down after they're all huddled on that carpet underneath the chandelier. Right, right. And like the way the guy steps out and starts following the characters, I was just like... Wow, this is like continuously this is next level shit right like, here. He really was. I was thoroughly impressed with it, and I love that they built the sets to be able to conjoin. So you walk out the back hallway of the mortuary into this long hallway, leads right into the Hill House room. You know that takes you back in time. Yeah, because the dad, the older master. dad, walks into it. Is is beautiful. And Mike Flanagan, you know, specifically said, "Oh no, I built the sets so they can conjoin." When I need them to, because he was thinking about that that episode specifically. Yeah, that was the one he pitched. For, yeah. that, for that's the, the one he pitched, and he also made that the heart of the ep- the heart of the series. Oh yeah, he wanted that to be like it was right genius. That that whole episode was genius. Uh, Steve, I didn't really care for his acting, but nitpicking on yeah. on something gorgeous like because I can't. That's the thing I was gonna, I was going to get to is like when, as we get into final thoughts closer as we get closer to the end of this episode and we get to the final thoughts, it's like I don't have I don't have anything to pick at with this fucking series that's the one thing it's like and the replayability it's just like i'm not ready for it yet but i know it's there there's like a perfect series to watch kind of like breaking bad it's Mm -hmm. like i know there's a perfect story to go revisit but i'm not there yet to like have to like watch it again because man that was just a yeah that episode that and the 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 last like three three episodes like really just grabbed the fuck out of you i mean i mean the whole show grabs you, but like really the Definitely. last three are like, <gasps> like you mm-hmm. just pay attention. I love Luke's storyline. Goddamn the, the junky life, you know, yeah, Luke's... trying to get clean and just, fucked he's doing his best he's trying he's definitely trying um this show like everybody deals with their own their own ghosts their own characters their own problems and the fact that they are haunted by it so much they end up making their trauma into literal ghosts nell's really the only one i can't really say that she made it into a literal ghost because she was the ghost because she was the ghost um granted there's ghosts literally littered everywhere in this show yeah it's a weird wall though like, if you haven't figured it out by now, if you've watched the show and you didn't see it, go back and rewatch some of those episodes. I can guarantee there's at least... 48. 
Yep. There's 48, 48 total. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody posted a video of all of them on mm. YouTube. It was like 10 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's 48 hidden ghosts all through this series. Mm-hmm. And then what makes it even creepier, the statues move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The statues all change position or well, not change position. And not but in front of you. Like, they no, react. not in front of you. They, their heads are moving. Their arms are in different placements. Everything like there's so much subtlety into, into this. Um, and these ghosts, they're, they're fucking everywhere, but the main ones to focus on are the ones on the characters because they took their traumas and embodied them. They, they gave them literal monkeys. They gave them literal like forms and for them to do that, that shows that they went through a lot of fucking stress. They went through a lot of problems and a lot of people in like mental studies and whatnot would say that that, that was them splitting that that's them taking, they're splintering the negative portions of their lives and trying to make something that they can explain something that their mind can better handle and they ended up making these fucking ghosts and it's fucking terrifying to see with um with luke and the fucking guy with the little bowler hat that was fucking terrifying especially when he was counting the one two three four five six seven and you see that you see it coming behind them yeah one two three four five six seven it's still following them one two three it's like right yeah. there and it's like oh my god the they're all haunted by something yeah i was kind of confused by that uh because it, you know he's clean at that point mm-hmm. i was confused on why in the uh house uh, not not the house but the uh recovery home why his ghost wasn't present it was literally once he left the recovery house because it was back, he wasn't being tempted. Because oh he, yeah, I guess he was put guess out. That makes sense. Yeah, he's put out into the wild now. So now he ha- like in the recovery house, he has no one to try and give him anything. Whereas when he's out in the wild, when he's out in the city, he now has all these options to him, and that's now an option again. I guess. And for that that's does a, make it, sense. It, it it serves as a constant reminder. Hey, I'm still here. But I you was sure just you, thinking you sure in, that? in terms of like a literal ghost, mm-hmm. like a you know, person being haunted. Uh, it's kind of weird that it's not there with him. But yeah, you're, mm-hmm. it makes sense. You're weaker yeah, out there, he's so haunted. you're more susceptible. He's being, yeah, that. Um, fucking Theo with her entire like wearing gloves. It's her inability. I don't know if it's inability or not wanting to be intimate with somebody she doesn't want to touch them because no, she doesn't want to she's too sensitive she's too sensitive she doesn't want to deal with seeing what happened to her mother because yeah. she touched her mom's hand or her man or her mom touched her whatever it was i can't remember for who did who to who touched whose hand but whenever you look up and you see the mom is literally a corpse yeah it can be traumatizing and i can yeah. understand theo <laughs> not want to touch anybody anymore so she well, wears those gloves that's what you have to get well, she also yeah. touched the wall and mm-hmm. welcome home and saw how that well, came that, to pass. That, with Theo is emotional because she's uh, she's she's taking care of kids. Mm-hmm. So when she sees that horrible storyline about the, oh, the daughter's fucking... The smiling man. Uh, yeah, oh. the abuse that she's dealing with. She sees the monster. But then when she fucking finds out the monster and she touches the couch and she sees the face in the wood, she understands the... The girl was the creation of the monster, mm-hmm. and she understands that sometimes, like you said, we create our own ghosts. Yeah. But 
this wasn't the case. It was the girl was doing the creating the ghost, but there was literally a fucking horrible monster in the fucking house. Mm-hmm. It was the dad. Yeah, Foster. Just, yeah, that was just horrible. She, the girl, again, she splintered. She took the negative aspect in her life and made it to something manageable to where it made it easier for her to explain. But mm-hmm. here you are feeling like the ugliest person, and you don't enjoy yourself. You don't. You have all this hate and mm-hmm. anguish towards yourself. But then you look beautiful to somebody else, like yeah. she does in that that her girlfriend that she mm-hmm. picks up in the bar. So when you touch her without the glove, you're finally seeing yourself in a sensual, sexy way that you don't fucking feel for yourself at all. Mm-hmm. But when you're able to be sensitive, you're able to see yourself in a goodness fucking way that you don't fucking walk around with. So I thought that was the way she liked to experience sexual fucking nature. Is like I just I needed to get off as obviously the one, but then I also just needed to feel like I'm something. Not was, this ugly person that I feel like twenty four seven. Was it something I said? No, we just came here to do what we wanted to exactly. do. Exactly, Theo. I'm a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> and Theo was awesome. I mean, yeah, as much I, as I, I as much as I had issues with her character a lot of the time, she was just awesome. Well, I mean, she's played by the lady from Hush. She is fucking fantastic. She does a great. She's job. fantastic in the past three things I've seen her in. So, like I said. I, fr- I frustrate for the fucking family. It's like just communicate with each other. Yeah. Well, the dad. Okay, need. we haven't spoke about the dad. Let's yeah. get in the dad real quick. Timothy Dalton. He. Well, yeah. T- what? <laughs> <laughs> what? And Bond. Jesus Christ. James Bond. No, he is. He is one of my favorite aspects of this, Timothy and Hutton. the most annoying fucking aspect of it. Henry Thomas annoys the fuck out of me as young. No, he's not. Magic. However, old pops is fucking amazing the thing that annoys me the most about him is he's always like you said not communicating because he's thinking of what he's going to say but then the kids are just yelling at him and you can see him like look to his left or his right and kind of space out and then okay well i did it for this re- oh no but like he never finishes a fucking sentence and it drives me he's guarding nuts. he's guarding a secret he's yeah. guarding well, the, his ghost yeah his ghost is He's always talking to his wife. Right. He's right there. Mm-hmm. And and the kids don't know that. And he... Uh, all he's got to do is say, kids, your mother's right here. She's been haunting me for 30 fucking years. And you know who's going to come in huh. and say, say otherwise? The older son. Yeah. Okay, great. You're, you're older insane. son, you're a fucking idiot. Theo, touch me. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> Theo all you got to do. You're right. That's all you got to do. Yeah. But, no, but Steve is so... Steve annoys the fuck out of me in this. Because he's his dad. No, he's a prick. His dad's a handy person that's always been sweet. But he's always, trying to protect. Always tries to be understanding. Where Steve is just a money grubbing cocksucker. I can't stand him. Nobody else is helping the family out, so he's the only one that does. Take well, I mean, family. they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know, but he was. He wasn't he, helping Luke out. He wasn't helping Nell out. He helped everybody out. Mm. He was the giving hand. He was a giving tree for like centuries. Yeah. Of the family, because the dad wasn't like really... The only thing, I think the only one that did not accept the help was Shirley. Shirley, yeah. But even then, the husband took the it. The husband did. Yeah, because so the, Theo... Was a giving tree also. To her, yeah, yeah, she was over there helping everybody out, too, because she yeah. fucking was over since... Well, she took Shirley's cut of the, you know, whatever the guy was mm-hmm. giving her. You know, Steve and then gave her, it. And then giving it to the husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it was... Uh, and Shirley was protecting Nell because Luke was the way Luke was. Everybody was all, trying to always look out for somebody's best interest all the for dad's their got, best interest. All the dad's got to do is finish a fucking sentence and yeah. lay it out how it is. Look, all my family's traumatized from ghosts. Every single fucking one of them. So why not explain why the patriarch, the dad, who everybody thinks is the cause of this, 
here's my ghost. I have a fucking medium of a daughter that's way overly sensitive and can read my past. Touch my hand. So, uh, you'll see what happened. It would all be explained. They'd be a happy fucking family. They'd yeah. be a little house on the prairie instead of a little house on Hollywood. But if your mom's hell. psychotic who just killed herself and, and killed people, you're no, always no, 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 constantly no, no, no. thinking you're on the brink of something that's horrific. So right. you're always protecting yourself as much as you're protecting the person. But I'm saying as older. I understand. As older. Yeah, yeah, Not like as kids. Yeah. But like, hey, we're in our 30s. Everybody hates me. And here's why. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, maybe he was guarding her from... Everything he's saying, the mom's filtering what for him to say. So yeah. it's just, it's kind of annoying that nobody lets him finish a fucking sentence because maybe he would get it out. But then again, he doesn't explain himself. He doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Your daughter just died and your fucking son's a fucking junkie and, and everybody's ripped apart. That's why when his son goes to the house and he brings his son with them, it's like all this, the snowball finally is going down the hill mm. and he's like, all right, here, this is where we're at. This is what we have to do. And that's why when, and when he finally actually says, I'm not crazy, just listen to me for a minute while he's driving. He's yeah. like, I've let you do all the talking. Now yeah, it's my turn. Exactly. Yeah. And that, when he finally gets to that point, it's like, thank you. Fucking yeah. thank you. Oh, when, when, when the dad and Theo are in Shirley's office and they see the crawling across the room the, the in mother. the forever house yeah. gets knocked down, it's like, why don't you talk about that? It's like, you're always getting frustrated. Yeah, and she, even Theo was like, we're not going to talk about what we just saw. And he's like, no, no, not and, yet. Not and yet. you're frustrated. And it's like, what? Yeah. Why? That's super annoying. Like, I'd be like, Atticus, pack your shit. There's a ghost. <laughs> Run for your life. Let's go. Let's go. Up. <laughs> up. Up, indeed. <laughs> we're going up in a plane and going fucking elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're out of here. Sammy, you're staying. Go <laughs> <laughs> with the house. And that's oh. why I love the story of uh, when you get to the haunting the house on First Street. Uh, <laughs> the the mold story of like the house tells you that this man wanted everything just to be tall and all this stuff, and you get the the idea. You get the story of how this man in his afterlife got his dream come true, his wish answered. Now he's this super tall man mm. that levitates out of the house, and he's king of the castle, kind of shit. Oh. But he chooses Luke to be almost to haunt because Luke had the 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 hat, the bowler hat, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you're choosing your evil, and mm -hmm. the evil stays with you. But then it also because, like you said, is it a figurative thing of like PTSD? Is it in your mind that you're being haunted by this thing because you are so affected by the trauma of the house, mm -hmm. or is it Luke's bent neck lady that's always fucking with him? You're like you're constantly juggling. You mean Nell's bent neck? Lady. Yeah, Nell, Nell's bent neck, bent neck lady. So you're always like, is this Luke's thing? Is this is this his thing? Is it? Are, are they experiencing this, or is it just a ghost, or is it his mind? Mm -hmm. And you're always juggling it because you're like, how? What? What was the direct effect for mm -hmm. the house? Because you people? can never tell if it's if it's going to be the metaphorical ghost that's haunting him or the literal ghost that's exactly. haunting him. You can never tell the difference because the show does such a great job on blurring that line. Yeah, and it's just. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. I don't know who did it, but whatever the fuck it was, bravo! Yeah, fucking, that is what excellent storytelling is. Exactly. I would like to know how he wrote this. Did he write each individual character's story and then do the amalgamation and mix them? Because writing it the way he presents it, I couldn't imagine writing like that. Writing, That's fucking insane. Reading the script that That's way. That's a lot of continuity. With that, There's with, a lot. Like, hey, I'm going to tie all this into a pretty bow in 700 pages later. Like, what? Well, what's magical is that to imagine to write those linear narratives and then 
intercut them the way they did mm-hmm. per episode you're talking about the script being a certain way the story being a certain way the balance is always in flux mm-hmm. and then you don't really find a baseline until you get to certain episodes where you go wow that's what the character is uh that's what that's going to mean to me oh when the end of the episode the, the season finale is this it's like oh now now i have this purpose of seeing this other episode because it did this to me and now that's how i can fucking rationalize it it's fucking awesome that they would go to such a degree to write a story like this. I don't know. I was just fucking... Mad. That's when everybody was like, oh, the season finale was such a lackluster. It was like, it wasn't supposed to be a spectacle. It was more of an emotional fucking grounding to create yeah, a baseline for to, the family. It was supposed to It was supposed to be a nice period at the end of the story, you know? Which, Tie it all up. And, like, I think... I don't know. I think the crazy thing that got me for a lot of people is that everyone's like, oh, the fucking the last episode, they pulled a Deus Ex Machina with Nell. It's like, well, in all honesty, I think they fucking deserved it. Think of all the shit that family went through. Yeah. And here comes here comes the answer in the form of Nell's ghost. Yeah. Um, and for her to just say that last line is fucking, you better get some fucking some fucking tissues yeah that those last bit of words that she tells them forgiveness is warm like a tear on a cheek think of that and of me when you stand in the rain just that one bit and she saves all of them i think that's fucking beautiful stick with it and they're like oh no it's fucking deus ex machina no fuck you (laughs) i hate people that say it's like just the phrase itself pisses me off well (laughs) Cause, like, I like to smell my own farts. <laughs> like, that, that's like, yeah, for you to yeah, say that, people are like, oh, like, oh, it's fucking, uh, it was such a lackluster. Well, what did you expect? The fa- the fucking house to go up in an explosion? Like, yeah, like, uh, like, there's a reason. Like, they explain why the house had to stay. Yeah, they don't come in with proton packs and just cure the fucking house and shoot the <laughs> ghost. You know, yeah, you know the the it's a piece of cake, piece of crumb cake. The magic of the fucking whole story is that red room. Mm-hmm. That's the magic. That's like they say, it's the stomach. It's what's dissecting you. And the way they dissect you is you always get that. The, what grounds you in the red room is that fucking thin ass window. Yeah. Mm. And they talk about it being present in everybody's little fucking representation of the red room is that thin little window. Mm-hmm. And the fucking weird thing is that Mike Flanagan struggled with was the ending of the episode when everybody's doing the blow out the candle at Luke's mm-hmm. fucking graduation thing yeah, for two years. Yeah, that ending was supposed to be a lot fucking darker. Well, they wanted just to have the window in the background. Yeah. Like they're still being... They're still there. Digested by the house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. This family went through enough shit. <laughs> yeah. They get their fucking happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the strength was, is when the dad, when, when the oldest son looks over and he sees the dad's dead body and he knows the dad that he's saving everybody with is the ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the realization of like, this is what the house is. And if you didn't fucking understand it, that's why you get the fucking innkeepers or the, the, the keepers, you know, the, uh, the people that take care of the house. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you get that little extra denouement at the end. It's like the house is evil and scary, but it's also this beautiful fucking like snow globe. It's like it's a haven for it, everyone who has passed. It's it, it can be. Mm-hmm. It can be this thing of like it, it's, it's what you can make of it. You know, yeah, it can be this prison, but it can also be, you know, this place. Well, of- this the show also it really 
it really plays that tune of regardless of how much shit you go through there's always that light at the end of the tunnel like redemption yeah redemption this house this house like a lot of shitty shit has happened in here but at the end of it at all at the end of it all like the father sacrificed himself for the rest of the family to, to finally the- get to finally get out of the grasp of the house itself yeah, he has to say it to the wife like mm-hmm. i will die here and stay with you the way i should yeah. have been from the get-go to make this right mm-hmm. for us and for you we just need to let them go on we need yeah. to let to, like this is what we let made we need lives. to let them go on mm-hmm. i then, love that and if you didn't catch that then you again you said you have the innkeepers how much shit did they go through they lost both children they fucking the the house have seen so many different families in there. I, I think they even said that their family also like, yeah. took care of the house as well. The amount of shit that they've gone through for the wife to finally get her happy ending to have both children. To pass away in the house mm-hmm. and be left as a ghost. Yeah, to be left as a ghost. And you see that scene where she's just holding the stillborn baby and the newborn baby's still in her arms, mm-hmm. you know? And then like, here comes Abigail right there next to her. It's fuck! like, fuck! <laughs> and the dad's just like, yeah. Here's my happy, you know, like when I when I leave, I don't have to fucking face, you know, the the void. Mm-hmm. I can come here and just we inherit sur- a mansion. I can surrender to this, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever this is. This this could be my heaven. Mm-hmm. When I die, I'm gonna get a Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a Golf TDI. It, it will be a Golf TDI, or else somebody's getting haunted. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna be great. I think the transmission's bad again. It might just be Nate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Engine's knocking. <laughs> a, you have a Fulps in your... <laughs> you got a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Fulps in your engine. How can you tell? Woo! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Show me your dick. <laughs> <laughs> he only says that when I put the gas tank in. <laughs> when I stick the thing in the gas tank... <laughs> Remember I opened the hood. Oh, man. I just put the six inches into the gas tank and woo! <laughs> what the fuck is it? What the, is that my car? Oh. Exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking engine starts sputtering. He's got heartburn tonight. It only lasts. <laughs> I don't know. It only goes about two minutes and then it just dies. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> Got a final thoughts? All right. <clears throat> I'll knock it out. Um, yeah, like everybody said, uh, we haven't seen a series like this since maybe, like, I think True Detective Season 1 hit the mark with um, uh, the director doing all the series. That was pretty much the first time I really took heart to, like, wow, this was a, this is what a series can do if the director just takes the fucking limelight throughout the whole season. And True Detective 1 is great. It's amazing. It's magic. And with this, what Mike Flanagan did was just a fucking spectacle of like, wow. The, he raised the bar. He saw what uh, could be, and he just raised the bar to the next level. And I can't wait to see what they do next. I hope they further along the series. If it's dead in the water, it's going to be a very true season one or whatever you want to call it. It's a great series as it is. I'm happy to revisit it. Like we said about the Where's Waldo with the ghost stuff. Every episode has a little treat for you to look for or, you know, to kind of hunt for if you if you go to that end degree. But uh, yeah, for me, it's just sit there and enjoy a great storyline and great acting from beginning to end of the series. I can't wait to see more from Mike Flanagan. 
for me, this show, I think, well, no, I was going to say, I think I was the last one to finish it. Nate was, it took me a little bit to actually jump on it. Like I, I watched the first two episodes. I was like, Oh man, this is actually really fucking good. And I never revisited it until after we did our little crossover episode with Travis from uh, pop culture rewind. After that, I went back and finished it and I am so fucking happy that I did. I wish I would have done it earlier. This show is to me so fucking well-written. Mike Flanagan does a great job. The actors and actresses that took part in this sell every moment of it. The every episode is an emotional roller coaster. You're either getting the shit scared out of you or you're you're crying. There, it's one or the other, and it ha- it leaves you wanting more for the, it leaves you wanting to do the next episode and keep fucking going. So for this episode, if you again. If you've made it this far and you still haven't fucking watched it, what the fuck did you just do to yourself? <laughs> like, stop. Just go watch the episode. Take our word for it. Like, Rotten Tomatoes has given it an amazing score. Wikipedia, or not Wikipedia, Imdaba has given it an amazing scores. I'm giving it an amazing score. Like, this is, I, I look forward to when Netflix decides to put this on Blu-ray because I will have it on my shelf. Very, like, like screw alphabet alphabetical order. It's going to be on the fucking front of it this has become one of my favorite shows to watch i highly recommend it to anybody else that that wants just some really good fucking storytelling and if this is to be a one and done kind of deal perfect it ended great if they end up doing a second season for some weird reason i'll go in there and i'll watch that too uh i'll just have to see how it pans out um hopefully it's a different family because i feel as though the cranes have gone through enough (laughs) So we'll we'll just have to see how how that goes. Um, this move, this show. I keep trying to say movie. This show is it's a definite watch, and I very patiently wait for Netflix to throw it on a Blu-ray DVD release because they've been doing it with fucking Stranger Things, Daredevil. I I want to see this one pop up because it will be a day one buy at wherever I need to pick it up at. Like I said earlier in the show, um, I got really, really, really fucking confused on who is what and who is where and what timeline are we in and where. Okay, like it'll jump back 30 years and then four years and then four months later and then four. Like, where the fuck am I? I think uh, something that pinpointed that, Jeff, is you power watch this. Oh, yeah. So you didn't have like I had watched the first episode and then like five days later, watched the second and then the third, like three days later, and it really fucked me up because I was like, okay, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who the fuck is this guy. Oh, okay, this little kid is this guy. And then finally at the third episode, I just paused it and I was like, I'm looking who the fuck who is what. Like what little kid is what big big actor, you know, full grown. So um, that fucked with me, but I think it's just because I had to take so many time in between episodes. Gotcha. When I started power watching it, it all came to pass real fast. But, um, yeah, I think if you're going to watch this power, watch it, at least power, watch five or three or four episodes and then return the next day or the day after. But don't take weeks of separation like I did. Cause it fucked me all up. Beautifully shot, beautifully acted, beautifully written. Um, God, this this was such a home run. I can't think of another series, uh, especially horror series, that tops this. It's not like overly scary, but man, one one scene in particular in uh, episode six when when you know they're they're at Nell's you know begin the 
pre-funeral. She's just sitting there in the casket, and they do these long walkthroughs. The end of that episode where Nell, crooked neck Nell, or bent neck Nell, is standing next to her coffin is just so fucking sad. There's so many heart-grabbing moments, and then there's also these uh, poo-shit splatter moments where he scares the hell out of you. So, <laughs> yep. like, that backseat one, dude, that fucking got me so bad. But, um... Thank God all of us super dude, bad. Yeah, bad. I mean, I was, like, kind of just dr- listening the dialogue, and all of a sudden, what the fuck is that? Like, oh, my God. Dude, but, um, yeah, I, I can't give it any higher of recommends. It's, it's fucking great. Um, if they do continue it, great, but I think they should leave it as a one-off. Um, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, a new family that buys it, or are they going to go colonial times when the house is built, or... They're going to go with the 1920s lady. Oh, God, I really hope not because, you know, I just period pieces are are risky. Yeah, they can um, get a little rough. High recommends. Watch the fuck out of it. So should we roll into Get It Straight with Nate? Do we have anything for this? This I I got a little bit. This is a first for Get It Straight because this is a TV show now. This was was fucking hard because it was like (laughs) I started thinking about what I'm going to say for Get It Straight. And it's like, I have to cover 10 hours <laughs> like, <laughs> like almost yeah, 11 is, hours of material this is the first for the straight with nate franchise <laughs> so i'll keep it simple hit my music is this aussie conditioner that is fine hide leather you've never felt soccer jeans let me hear baby You're waiting right up there. Like, 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 like a fucking Pepsi commercial. All right, tonight on Get It Straight with Nate, I've heard of monkeys on your back, but Jesus Christ, this is ridiculous. Bent neck, meet Ben Dover. (laughs) Theo makes me want to have a sex change so I could still be a lesbian. Carla Guccino makes me want to change back from my sex change. Henry Thomas hasn't gotten better in 50 fucking years. Shirley's match.com profile says she's into stiff drinks and stiff men. (laughs) (laughs) And then tonight on flip this fucking house. (laughs) That's all I got. That's That's all I got. So that's uh, get it straight with Nate. Uh, can't employ you enough to watch this series and rewatch the series uh, until we get something else better than uh, this. You know, if y'all do find better, let me know. Uh, let all of us know because we're always on, you know, on the watch for something that's as unique as this was. Well, yeah, it's rare to find something classy. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I've been tipped off to a bunch of things that are kind of old, but. Nothing's really lived up to what this level of fucking amazingness. Um, like I said, if you're late to the game, uh, True Detective Season 1 is probably my best, closest recommend I can give you. And if you haven't seen True Detective Season 1, I really feel sorry for you because you haven't really experienced what amazing TV series can be. Because, uh, yeah, before this, it was obviously Season 1 True Detective for me. Uh, but yeah, I we have more things uh, up coming up for this uh, upcoming month. Uh, we can't wait to share more upcoming things that we got going on. We can't fucking spill the beans yet, 
we're going to see, uh, you'll probably see some couple of posts coming up that we're going to be uh, doing some giveaways as we get closer to the end of the year. And we have some really big news that we're going to be sharing with you right at the end of the year, which is uh, kind of what we're we're all kind of holding off on, being tight-lipped about. Yeah, but, so, uh, yeah which is kind of hard because we have every time Nate says something, we have to cut his mic. Yeah, because we're like, well, we can't talk about it yet. Well, <laughs> so. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we hope to have something fun for you next episode for, uh, from all of us to all of you. This is Jeff. This is Nathan. And this is Ralph. Keep it scary, guys. Let my darling take me there. If I go, I'm going crazy. Thank you for listening to Deep in the Horror of Texas. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on the iTunes or Stitcher radio app. And above all, remember to keep it scary. Sound clips, sound effects, and music used in Deep in the Horror of Texas is owned by the copyright holders. Deep in the Horror of Texas makes no claim of ownership on the copyrighted audio and simply uses it for the sole purpose of entertainment, criticism, commentary, and education or fair use. Please support the official release of the audio used in today's episode where available to you. And remember to keep it scary.